Sono, and this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 15, An Officer's Duty, and 16, Because We're Friends. I didn't know that was the title of the episode. It's very, it's That's a very sweet. cute title. Our writer for 15 is Komura Junko, and for 16, it's Arakawa Naruhisa, our director. I'm... Yes? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just so glad he's he just keeps coming back, at least for the moment. It's so exciting. I do hope that, you know, he keeps cycling in and out of this show. He seems to be having a good time with it, and it's very much the sort of show that benefits from, you know, some of the classic Sentai writing style. Hmm. And, look, he's real good at that. He's just real good, generally. He did he did Kuga and Gokaiger, and, um, if you don't like those, I don't know why you're listening to this show. Yeah, we- I love them! We, we do put both of those on a pretty high pedestal. But I'm sorry, you were your saying. Our, our director for 15 was Kato Hiroyuki, and for 16 it's Watanabe Katsuya. Who isn't a name that we've heard in the couple years we've done this show, I think? I certainly don't recognize I don't him. believe we've brought him up, but he is a long, long-time Sentai director that goes all the way back to Zoo Ranger, and Whoa. has worked on nearly every modern Sentai from Gao Ranger to Kyo Ryuger, uh, with a couple of exceptions, as well as several movies versus movies and specials. He's also done a little bit over on the Rider side. He directed uh, the Common Rider Blade movie and some episodes of Forze. Well, all right then. Well, that certainly explains why they'd have someone like him in on this show, because this is a show that kind of benefits from someone who knows how to do some visuals. Yeah. Because at least the Blade movie and Forza were both really, like, beast for the eyes things and, yeah and i mean yeah. like he's he's done a lot of sentai work Good. for a long time Fine. i can see why they keep inviting him back uh now to just sort of jump into our overview of, of the episode i just um i just wanted to sort of jump off our conversation from our last episode of laser knees and thank you for the knowledge that you so kindly dropped on me last time because it, it helped me frame a lot of where I'm coming from now, because a lot of the feelings I was getting here were less about the stories themselves, though. Please don't get it twisted, dear listener. I, I, I've been having so much fun with this show. It's so good. Except for that one episode that was bad, but, you know, one out of... Anyway, I'm not going to defend it. I don't need to. The show is really good. But I it just... With, with the information about uh, the, the timing of the extra hero in mind, now that I know, oh wait, that's probably coming up really soon, it just got me thinking about how they structured this long-term serial story, because if indeed we are soon to start in with the extra hero, and probably eventually very soon here doing stuff with Zamigo, because I, I feel like we pitched him as a pretty big villain, but we haven't heard from him in a while. But... Anyway, but these two episodes would be exactly the kinds of episodes you'd want to do before entering into something that's going to really affect the rhythm of the series and disrupt both our team's whole, like, deals. Because these stories help solidify in, at least in me, and I would imagine in the minds of other viewers, who these people are and why they do what they do. We've, we've seen that the Power Rangers are ultimately self-sacrificing idealists. Sure, they have a job to do, 
but it's a job they believe in, and they also believe in the people around them, too. Like, everyone in the Pat Ranger side is into their job. Sometimes horrible monsters happen, and someone's got to stop them, and when the monster is not an animal monster, like on Kamen Rider Hibiki, then you send in the SWAT team, and the, they are the SWAT team. They don't look for trouble. They don't look for special treatment. Uh, they just, all they really want is to be regulars at this one cafe, and that's only barely special treatment. And then they just, they keep the peace in a manner that doesn't set them up to be, well, Common Rider Drive. And look, I imagine everyone is probably pretty tired of them, of us rather mentioning Common Rider Drive, but it's a recent example of a Toei Tokusatsu police character. And if he hadn't been a cop, we'd probably be talking a lot more about Decorager, or even more often about real-world politics of policing, because there wouldn't be this obvious terrible thing to compare it to. However, by contrast, uh, we have the Lupin Rangers, who, instead of being uh, idealists, are, are very pragmatic and goal-oriented, and they prize their shared goal over one another, even as they clearly prefer to not lose any of their friends. They, they don't even seem to care much about killing most of the monsters, except as it relates to saving their own lives, or as a part of things that happen after they get the treasure they wanted. The coolness is an affect over some pretty desperate-feeling alienation, and it gives them that little touch of grit that's not shared by our more idealistic police service. You put that all together, and when something comes along that's going to throw off the show's overall rhythm, like... Again, the, the probably inevitable extra hero, much as I wouldn't mind if they skipped out on that, it's, it's all just a really good reminder of who the characters are and why you should care to keep watching if, like, for instance, the extra hero shows up and you just freaking hate them. Hate them so much, I'm still not over President Hotwing, so no, I'm just not. Look, I, I just restarted watching Go On Jur. Uh, with a friend of mine, because, you know, 10-year Grand Prix is happening, and Goanger was my first Sentai, and I was just thinking about Goanger, and I'm like, I really want to watch Goanger. I hate the Goan Wings. I, like, I, honestly, I hate them more than Tsurugi, because wow. at least Tsurugi, like, fits in the show that he's in. He's, like, his his narrative fits in the show that he's in. It's not great, it's kind of just a phoned-in rehashing of the much cooler Stinger and Naga stories, but it fits yep. in the universe. Like, he fits within the universe that he exists in. The Go On Wings, Go On Gold, is played by the same actor as Kick Hopper. He's also okay. essentially the same character as Kick Hopper. In Go On -ger? Yes. The one with the, the cartoon vehicles who, like, occasionally, unironically just go broom broom? Yeah, yeah. Um, amigo? That, like, like yeah. With, the, with, the, with the, the shark who always says amigo all the time? I love Burka. But, like, that's that's the problem with the Go on Wings, is they take themselves far more seriously than anything else this show has going on. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense, of, like, if, it's, if the extra heroes are always supposed to be, like, this weird play on or inversion of things but wow that's weird they felt they when i watched it 
I mean, we on, we've only watched the first two episodes, so I'm not. I'm I'm wondering if I'm going to receive them differently this time, which is another reason I wanted to rewatch it. But when I watched it, there's a good. They come in along with another villain um, that they're specifically after to fight, and it goes on for so long. And I'm like, this is so boring, and you're so mean to these really these five just really nice guys who just. Like, they want to help you. They want to do this with you, and you're so mean to them. Like, they're, they're, they are, especially Go On Gold, but Go On Silver is not innocent here. They are mean to the other Go Ongers for the first, like, large, until this one villain is gone. And then they kind of try and lighten them up. But also, they're like, the, the Go Ongers live in a bus, they're essentially homeless. They live in this bus and they drive around fighting monsters. The Go-On Wings are these rich kids, like, with this really fancy house that they won't let the other Go-Ongers stay in. Oh, wow, what a way to not get me on their side. And there's, the, the bit that gets me most, that, like, it's, it's a crystallization of my entire problem with the Go-On Wings, is actually from Go-Onger versus Ranger. When the Go On Wings are fighting one of one of the monsters that are in that movie, and they're like, "Oh, you're using you're using the the Geki Ranger martial arts. How do you know that?" And they're like, "Oh, we learned it as children." And I'm like, "No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Get out of here." That's a lie. Why are you lying? Like, don't. That's the biggest load of BS. No, well, especially since it's. That's the Geki Rangers' whole thing, at least in the bits I saw. Like, yeah, is that they're martial their... artists? Yeah. What is what is your superpower? We are such good martial artists. We get awesome suits. They're D and D monks. That's all they are. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> but like, no, I'm I'm sorry. Like, if you were a kid, like, okay, you might have one level of monk. Which you know, fair enough if you're a super sentai. But no, you don't get to have you don't get to have their special thing. That's I get I always get annoyed when when you have a thing like that that is one character or one group special thing, and then you just let someone else just have it. It's like no, that you just stole the thing that they're that they're there for. Like it was just every, it's every time they have Superman race the Flash. Like look, let the Flash win. Superman, even if you can go faster than him, let him win. Why? He has one thing. What is what is the Flash if he's not the fastest man alive? He's he's a guy who's almost as fast as Superman. That sucks. Let him win. Like it's just they're I I've always just found them so incredibly infuriating. And there are a couple episodes with them that I do really like in the in the you know the latter part of the series once they try toning them down a bit. But on the whole, like, I just find them so infuriating. Like, I don't have the patience for the nonsense that is the two of them. And it's just, I, I, I hate I confess, them. Just, just the thought of, hey, these five guys, well, these five people all live in a bus. We have a big house and we won't let even one of them stay over. Like... Sorry, it's gonna take a. It would take a lot to sell me on a person who did that. I I can't stand them. I love their little cartoon vehicles. Like I well, well, well plane is 
the greatest of all time. But it's the two of them, like, by the time that they tried to make them likable, the damage was done. And they don't even really do enough to make them likable. I mean, it's that's sort of the problem. Once You only get one chance to make a first impression, you know? And those stick. The worst is and shall always remain, and everyone take your shot, Abare Killer. the worst and if, if y'all and if y'all want to come at me about Aubrey killer like don't but also if you want to like do it do it on your own time yeah, be respectful we're not going to talk about it here again just I- instead of instead of arguing that someone shouldn't think what they think or feel what they feel write a thing like on tumblr or whatever it's like hey i have a defensive Aubrey killer and like have, have all your arguments there in a, in a manner that is not confrontational, just like, hey, here are the things that I like about this character. Because honestly, I feel like the the impulse that people get into to like have Twitter fights, it's not as good as like, hey, if you just if you just write out all the things you think and just let people maybe read them on their own time and just don't get on them about it, maybe maybe life wouldn't be so terrible. I kind of, I guess, understand why some people like Aubrey Killer as, like, a character archetype, but I just, I found his whole narrative to be deeply frustrating. But, you know, back to, back to this good show. Yeah, yeah. Basically, as, as where I was kind of going was to say that when it feels like Kimura isn't what she's doing, and Shuojer, boy, in retrospect, it feels so phoned in, and I'm sure there are a lot of reasons for that that are very complicated. I'm not trying to insult anyone but when she's into it she can create some of the most magnetic characters and and i as ever i do offer the caveat that she does that with the help of a lot of fill-in writers uh, episode writers etc along with the cast and and the directors of course and but i sort of default to talking about her sense of writer as someone much easier to credit with like the shape of how a series works and we can debate the fairness of that another time, but I just, I could have a, a whole thing about the way in which the idea of a single individual making everything happen is kind of a culturally toxic one, but we've only got so much time. Um, I'm, I'm going to put, like, a video that talks about that in, a, in, in an entertaining way down in the as mentioned, if you, if you want to watch that or not. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think on a structural level, if we're going to head into something weird because episode 17 you said was about the average for when the the extra person starts showing up well we're just about there so we we assert the characters identities and and what they're about in an interesting way to help cement them in the audience's head so that when we shake things up everyone has everyone's on solid footing for it it's it's a good plan i'm i feel sad for just going structural but it was Structurally, it's very sound. Yeah, no, and I mean, in on the whole, I agree. We have this really meaningful two-episode arc about Keitro and how he views his duty, and as the Red, that means how the world views his duty, because that's how Sentai works. And also just how much he means to his team and how much they mean to him and, you know, what they're willing to risk for each other. And follow that up with this really solid Toma episode that really does build up kind of how much the Lupin kids have bonded in the time they've been together and kind of what that means to them and what they're, how, you know, that can 
bend. And it does feel like they're gearing up to lead us into whatever they plan to do as far as introducing another piece onto the board. And as much as I agree that we've hit this really good balance with the cast and the narrative, and I'd hate to see that disrupted, for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm kind of ready for a sixth ranger, or just something that shakes things up a bit. Because we've addressed kind of the vast majority of questions that this show raises to some degree or another. What would happen if a piece of the Lupin collection got destroyed? Like, how would that affect the Lupin Ranger's goal? What if the Pot Rangers figure out the Lupin Ranger's secret identity? How do the Gangler work? Who are these six individuals? We know kind of all of the answers to that. You know, my my thoughts on Kyrie's narrative weakness notwithstanding, we know we know enough about him. We kind of, but we know basically all of these things, and we're kind of running up against the end of the foundation of this narrative, and it's just about time. It feels like, you know, we're ready to move into phase two and shake that up a little, and I absolutely agree that we could definitely use a little more time with Zamigo to really get a feel for what his stake in things are before we toss another, you know, another actor into the mix, but even though... I usually find the Six Rangers appearance to be some kind of disruptive, because um, usually I feel like the this group of questions isn't answered well enough before the sixth shows up. But this time I feel like we're kind of ready. We're ready for something to happen, and if that something is some kind of new addition to the team or teams, so be it, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean... And he ain't wrong. But it is nice that we can go in. It is nice that all the characters have been written really strongly and tightly so that when this happens, we don't feel like it's going to throw anything off, which... Yeah. And, I, like, I, I again, okay to... We put Gokaiger kind of on a pedestal. When Guy shows up, it feels like a good time for him to be showing up. Yeah, because you know who all these people are. You know what they're about. You know the stakes... It's it's real, man. Gokaiger's so good. I love it so much. And I mean, you know, me again being me, Bokenger. Because yeah. they and Bokenger does a good thing where they kind of ease you into Ag. There's a good and two episodes. There's a good two episodes of him kind of doing his own thing before Akashi just kind of forcibly is like, "Nope, you're a Bokenger now. Time for adventure." And it's that's. It's not often that I feel like it's too early. Because, again, like I've said, on the average, 17. But it often feels like this is too early for them to be showing up. Why are they showing up this early? Even though 17 really is a decent way into the series. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about a third. But, you know, this this time I'm like, okay, this feels like a pretty decent spot for it. All right. Well, since since we're going in feeling pretty pretty mellow about these episodes, because it's it's nice to have kind of eliminated a sense of dread for the future in the show. Uh, let's let's talk about our bad things, and so that we can get onto the good ones. For fifteen, I'm gonna kind of do the very beginning and the very end. Uh, that's that's where my only two real problems are. Hmm. Um, so in the very beginning, they're bringing Keitro into the hospital. And this nurse is, like, yelling at him. 
She's like, can you hear me? Like, trying to get him to respond. And I'm like, he's very clearly already unconscious. He is badly poisoned. Like, shouldn't you be talking to the other nurses or doctors about this guy's needs? Yeah, it does seem kind of unprofessional, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it was just a little weird. Uh, I guess especially coming out of X-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> Man, X-Aid was such a trip. Yeah, it was. But uh, that's that's just, it's a small thing from the beginning of the episode. My real problem is the last scene of the episode. Because, man, Keitro can't catch a break with his dang kid, and I am mad about it. <laughs> like, my guy nearly died trying to make sure this kid could safely go on this field trip, and he comes out running to Sakia? Like, heck with that! I mean, at least Keitro's a good sport about it and seems pleased that, you know, Sakia's acting committed to his job for once in his life. For once, yeah. And I appreciate that, you know, when the kid made his new costume, he does the, like, three-in-one form, and it even, it's got the pink for Tsukasa, so she's even, she's even included and acknowledged by this child. But, like, heck with that, Keitro deserves some praise from this boy. Yeah, yeah. You, you basically insulted him to his face, but still he went out and almost died so you could go on this field trip. You could... It, just like, look, I get that it's that this is the joke, and it goes with the thing where he wants to inspire kids like he was inspired, but also he's not that good at it. I think that's that's really clever, but at the same time, like, at least have the kid, like, like okay, he holds out his arms to hug the kid, and the kid just, like, runs up and salutes him. So, so like, he can just get something instead of a hug, because the kid's just like, nah, I'm not really a hugger. And then he goes and hugs Sakia. Like, that, that could be fun. Because as long as he gets something. Because, like, look, it, it was funny. It was a good bit of, of haha, and I'm sure that if you're a little kid watching it and you haven't seen this same joke play out before, it would just, it would blow your mind. But just let's not turn Keichiro into the butt monkey here. Like, he, he's a zenigata. And that means, yes, he gets punked on a lot, but he also has dignity. Just give him his dignity. Everyone. It, it has been a leet motif throughout my coverage of Common Rider and Sentai. If you take away a character's dignity, I will kind of hate you for it forever. After these two episodes that were just about how good he is. I mean, I admit that, you know, if someone wanted to argue that, hey, he can, he can get laughed at like this because we just all saw how great he is and how this kid doesn't appreciate him and haha, that's the joke. On the other hand, like, man... <laughs> He almost died so these kids could go on a field trip. You show him a little respect. And it's just, again, like, he's he's a good sport about it, and he's not even bothered. He's just like, okay, it's fine. At least Sakuya's doing his job. Yep, and hey, this, this kid has some respect for the police instead of criminals. Because that's how I imagine it sounds in his head. Yeah, but it's just like, be be good to this guy. Yeah, no, I, so no, I know I've said it before. I will probably say it again. I am I am so annoyed at how much I love the cop. Like, I, 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 I much prefer to be like, you know, heck with the system. You know, I throw that stuff on the ground. Like, that sort of thing. Because that's, that's just, I, I tend to be contrarian in some ways. But man, I can't, I just, he's a good dude. 
just want good things for him. I just want him especially to be happy. Since, especially since we actually had an arc where he was going to be a cop on the edge who plays by his own rules, and then Tsukasa just called him up short. It's like, no, it is more important that you protect people than you stop crime. But I hate crime so much. You have to protect people. Not protecting people is the real crime. And he's and he's like, yeah, you're right. Wow, thanks, thanks, my my partner, my this very strong, smart lady that I hang out with. Thanks, thanks for you know giving me a good talk. We we have to we have to remind each like I like that they have to remind each other sometimes because they just get lost in this or that thing. They're such good they're such good people and such good friends. Why is Safiya there? Why is Safiya like this? He doesn't have to be. No, but he is. Okay, but going going into 16, Kyrie, you probably shouldn't tell someone that you're the Lupin Rangers when you're not in any kind of disguise. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, sure, like, all the people around them have bailed in that first scene with Manta, but, like, you never know when someone might just happen onto the scene, and there's a lot of questions that need answering, and none of the possible answers are going to be a lot of fun for this children's adventure series. Like, just... My my bigger concern is that Dogranio's always watching. Yeah, do they know? I mean, I don't know if they know that. I feel like they I don't, should. Have. I don't know I... if they know that, but also, like, it's one of those things where, like, I have all of this meta information, like, Dogranio's always watching, and the fact that I know this is gonna be a body swap episode. Ah, true. Where I'm just like, hmm, he knows who you are. He has no reason to keep his mouth shut. Yep, it's a good thing he was very distracted, Otherwise, you would all be dead. It's a real good thing he never talked to the cops. Yep. Because, boy, I'm just just stopping and thinking, yeah, what if he didn't talk to the cops and he was just like, hey, boss, I'm one of those Lupin Rangers now. Because this this would be the opposite of the Lex Luthor thing. Just, there's this old episode of Justice League, and, and I don't know if the listeners have heard about it, but where... There's a body swap with Lex Luthor and the Flash, and he takes off the Flash's mask. Yes, I'm gonna. At least I'll find out who the Flash is. And he takes off the mask, looks in the mirror. I have no idea who this is, and it's the best thing. It would be the opposite because uh, Degranio is a mobster, and they all live in this kind of small area. Like you just like okay, we'll start here. Look, keep an eye out for a guy who looks like this. And then they'll just murder all the dudes who look like that because they don't care because they're interdimensional mobsters. Anyway, uh, your your point was correct. That's what I'm saying. Sorry. Uh, but you know, speaking speaking of Sapia, uh, my my real 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 for real problem with this episode is Sapia, who even like calls out his own hypocrisy, lecturing Toma about going out with girls. Like, I appreciate that most of what they were lecturing on was like, hey, if you want to go out with girls, fine, but don't call in sick and lie to your friends about it. But also, I don't want to hear it from you, Sakuya. Yeah, no kidding. I I don't want to hear about much of anything from Sakuya. I just don't. Okay, and and on that note, I do want to say that I'm a, a little annoyed at the back and forth I saw between Banta just... It isn't even back and forth, it's just them, the the writing going back and forth on, does Manta just want people to like him, or does he want to hang out with, quote, 
chicks, end quote, all the time. Like, I imagine a lot of that is in translation, and I don't know how to speak Japanese, so I can't catch all the nuance. But, like, as it was shown on screen, I was, I don't know, like, I felt, I had a feeling about it. Like, I could go either way, I could be convinced either way, but if he just had been as happy to hang out with anyone, because none of the other ganglers or, or people in his home dimension like him, I would have been less, I don't know, is, is there a word that means confused and also a little bit skeeved out? Because that was the emotion I was feeling. Yeah, I mean, like, that's fair. I kind of take a bit of an upswing with it later in the show, but it did kind of get my back up that he's hanging out with at least two high school girls. That was that was kind of my thing, because I'm like, no, I don't act like you're, you think they're pretty or whatever, dude, because I don't know how old the actor playing Toma is. He's too old to be like, yes, let me hang out with all these high school girls, even though, like, he's like, a I don't, I don't know how old the other two were, uh, cause they weren't, they were just in, like, street clothes, but the, yeah, the, but, the first like, two, two were definitely uniforms. high schoolers, so yeah. I'm like, mm, I'm like, I kind of wish that when we go back to him later, he's got kind of this whole group of ladies and dudes around him, and is just like, oh man, everyone likes me like this. But, I mean, at least for all that kind of the weirdness about this sort of thing that's in this show, this is still somehow less skeevy than anything Sakuya's ever done. Yeah, look, <laughs> you ain't kidding. And that is, oh boy, that's saying something, isn't it? Yeah. I, I know you just said it, but why is Sakuya like this? And I know that the answer is because he was written that way and that's how he chose to play it, but still... Ugh. Still, why is he like this? I know why, but why? Um, but I think that's it for our 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 beef these episodes. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have a whole yeah. lot of problems. These were pretty good episodes. Rock solid. And well, hey, why don't you start talking about some of the good stuff that was in there then, Sono? Okay, everyone. In episode fifteen, we learned a deeply important piece of information, and it's that Hilltop is married. And I yes. need this show to introduce us to his wife immediately. Preferably if we find out that she has a backstory or, or like an awesome adventure story of her own that she's just doing while the Pat Rangers are doing their thing. Like, I don't ask much, but part of the not much I do ask for is that lady characters have character. Like, I'm not saying she has to be the, the extra hero, though that would be pretty sick actually. That would be incredibly boss. But, I mean, I just, I want her to have a thing other than Hilltop's wife, because you can, you can give her a thing to do that's not just being this dude's wife. Yeah, I mean, like, look, she can, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring up Ghostsager as an example. Okay. Uh, in Ghostsager, Ghost the Ghostsagers all live with this kid and his dad, and they, they never talk about his mom. Never. And you just kind of assume that the kid's mom is dead, because this is tokusatsu. Yeah, there's- yeah. And then there's an episode where they're like, oh, my mom is coming to visit. Because uh, she works a lot, and it, she travels a lot for work, so she's not here very often, but she comes and visits when she can, and she calls us, and, like, let's- like, we- neither me nor my dad feel neglected by her, because she's always letting us know- how much she loves us, but she travels a lot for work. And I'm like, okay, 
I now know, pr- and she never even shows up in the episode. Uh, nope. She she never even appears. She like missed her train or something, and now she's not able to get there, and she has to go back to whatever she does for work. But I know everything about her that I need to know. Yeah, she, like, she, she has a character off screen that a lot of women characters in Sentai get to have on screen. Yeah, like she's. We know everything about her that we need to know. She has a job, she has a life outside of her family, but she also loves and cares about her family. Like, that's that's what I want for Hilltop's wife. I, I just... Anyway, go on. I, I'm just very excited. Also, when, when he shows up and he's like, Oh, yeah, like, the, you're... The, they're like, oh, you're... Our, our bistro is, like, famous in your department. He's like, yeah, it's supposed to... Like, they've told me it's really, really good. And Tomo looks so happy, and Umika looks, like, so proud of him. And she, like, turns around and is like, she said your stuff is good. In spite of how visibly nervous they are about, oh, no, more cops in our restaurant. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. impossible to not love Hilltop. That's so true. He's so he's so charismatic and just a good dude. And, and speaking of how good a dude he is, he goes out of his way to get something nice to lift his unit spirits. He goes to, like, a place that they like to get them something nice because they're all hospitalized and, you know, morale is probably low. Like, mm. what a dude. Yeah, yeah. You know, they say you can tell everything about a person by how they treat people over whom they can exert power. In this case, subordinates or customer service staff. And if we can agree with that statement, which I do, uh, it is clear. Like, yeah, what a good guy. I, I like to imagine that him and his wife are just incredibly happy together. And, and like, that's part of why they're together. It's just, he's a really good dude. And she's like, yes, I value that in someone. It's just, it's, it's so nice to see both Hilltop and Jim get out of the office to go to the hospital to see you know, their their team. Like, Jim gets to go to. Like, I assume he was, like, waiting in the car while Hilltop went and bought the cookies. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot more questions about, like, whoa, it's one of those rare police robots, and just Jim is probably like, no, I don't have time for that. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want any of this. Listen, Fives, a 10 is very bored by you. I, I like just that little thing from the one episode about Jim where we find out, oh, right, he's an egomaniac. I, I really hope we get an episode for Jim. I, I want, yes. Yes, please. Man, remember that time he pretended to be a gangler? <laughs> Jim is too good for all of us. It's true. I'm also just so glad that like we had that episode where now Umika and Tsukasa are friends so that Umika can go talk to Tsukasa for information instead of having to see Sakuya. Like, yeah. Not only am I relieved for Umiga because I don't want her to have to deal with that, but it felt like Kimura was like, "Thank God, I have an out. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to send her to see Sakuya. I can actually just write like the these girls being friends." Yeah, yeah, and I look, I can't blame her because boy, that's got to be skeevy as heck to write. And it's one more thing for which we can all thank Arakawa. Like, even though I'm sure that the episode was was Kimura's idea. Uh, I just like finding reasons to thank Arakawa, because he's a... He's very good. And I do love that Umika, like, she's going to see both of them, but she only brings flowers for Tsukasa. 
and you can tell because they're in a pink wrapper with a yellow ribbon. Uh, that's that's a little also, that's a little bit gay, him. Umika. But look, look, if you were Umika, wouldn't you at least be tempted? I mean, yes. Except I... Sukasa's way out of my league. Well, I mean, she's way out of everyone's league. Let's be real. But Umika's just like she's not here for Sakuya. Even, you yeah, know, no. even if she does run into him and he's a butt and assumes the flowers are for him, even though they're in pink paper, Sakuya, do the math. Yeah, he sucks so bad. So, so, so bad. Like, if he would stop just doing this thing he does for, like, a second, I think I could think about liking him. But as it is, just, oof. Give me one of these episodes, like, when suddenly Leo made sense. Yeah, you remember that from... from Juoger, where it's yeah, like, the sumo wrestler oh, episode. Him. Yeah, yeah, I get him. He's he's a, he's trapped by toxic masculinity. He doesn't know how to break out. This is the only way he knows how to be. Oh, okay. But like, have it, you know, give him some context and have it stick. I just, I just, I want to, I want to like him. It just makes it so hard. Yeah, I mean, like, fun. look, this is Sakuya feels like a personal slight because, man, I yeah. love. I love Green Rangers. That's true. Yeah, I always forget that. I that love sucks extra. Green Rangers are my kind of my whole thing, and now I have to deal like every other Green Ranger in history, as far as I've seen, they're all great, and now there's this loser. I mean, even even Ghostager, and he was dead. And also, uh, was he played by Sen? Yes. Yeah. Which is how you know that he's great because Sen is wonderful. I mean, I don't, I don't know about Ninja. I know that there was a green in the movie. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't. See. Um, I don't know how that unfolds, but you know, like all of them are great, and now, now there's Sakuya. Just out there messing with, messing with the averages. And I mean, just, like of, of all of the interactions that Umika and Sakuya have had, like I appreciate that this is probably the most benign. And that Sakuya can, for once in his life, prioritize trying to save his friend's life instead of inappropriately hitting on someone who isn't interested. Because he's like, oh, I, I appreciate that you came to see us, and that was really nice of you, but also is dying, and I've gotta go. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's... That is a proper priority, honestly. Like, that, that feels... Good, except for the fact that I know how you've been with her in other episodes. But, like, it's it's refreshing to see Sakia actually take his dang job seriously for once. And, like, not only go talk to the elementary school teacher and reassure the kid, but also, you know, talk about his duty as a social protector like it means something to him when he has to go fight the gangler and the kid asks, like, why not just let the Lupin Rangers do it? Again, I almost thought about liking Sakuya here. Like, I do wish there was more stuff where he talked about how great Keichiro is, or, like, my superior officer says, or Keichiro says, Senpai told me. But, like, on the other hand, like, a part of me imagines you don't trouble the public with, like, oh yeah, my bro is in the hospital and probably dying because he went to go and save your field trip, kid. Did you like your field trip? Have you gone yet? But, you know, I, I think that's probably uh, wildly unprofessional. It's good that he didn't do that. So, you know, like, good on, good on Sakuya, which, whew, that's, that's a phrase I 
just had not anticipated having reason to say. Yeah, and I mean, at the very least, he does try and point the kid to Keitura when the kid runs to him instead. He does go like, no, no, go hug him. No, he needs this. I, I'm good. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sakuya. Like, I hope they keep on this trajectory where, like, maybe he kind of wants to flirt with girls all the time forever, but also he thinks better of it because he's a police officer and when he's in uniform he has, like, there are things he should be doing that are not that. But man, just that, that scene where Kairi talks to Tsukasa outside of Keichiro's hospital room. Ooh, the show knows how to get to me when it wants to. Like, I'm still a little weak on Kairi. I, we need some more episodes of him actually doing things. But seeing him actually, like, you can see it on his face, I give his actor credit, that he's trying to understand and connect to someone that he considers his opposite and his enemy and the greatest threat to his objective. And it does endear me to him a little bit. Because he's trying. He's he's trying to understand, like, why why is this person putting himself on the line when he doesn't have to? It's like, because he, he wants to protect people. And, you know, he, he kind of takes on how much the the global police team means to one another which i don't think he's ever really had a chance to see before like because as they're standing at the window Sukasa just stops kind of talking to him and starts being like kachura you idiot keeping everyone happy also means not dying <laughs> and he, like he witnesses that and how much she admires Keichiro and how worried she is about him. And that's the first time he's ever really seen that firsthand. And it's a bond that he doesn't really have with his team. At least not anywhere near in the same way. And you can see that he does really have some respect for how much they mean to each other. And to jump a bit ahead, in 16... Kyrie does seem to try to build on that and want to establish that kind of bond with Toma. Like, he he doesn't punch the gangler that's in Toma's body because it's Toma. And he pulls Toma aside and is like, what are we gonna do because Manta doesn't want to switch back? And then he's willing to take on pain with Toma like he saw the, the pot rangers do at the end of this episode. And he does that instead of forcing Toma to sacrifice himself like Toma just figured he was going to do. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a really good thematic through line. And, and like, I, I appreciate the call that you made there, because, yeah, I, I'd not really thought about how, about the sort of ongoing story effects of that moment, and good call there. Though if, as, as I fear, we are rapidly approaching the introduction of an extra hero to upset this excellent balance and, and sort of detente between the teams, it does can't make a lot of sense that we'd want to highlight how their relationships work and where the differences are between them, if only to give context to what will soon be disrupted, even even as I hope it, it isn't, because I, I, want, I want a new ball on the field. I don't want to lose the dynamics, because they're so good. Though I, I do adore that when Sakia does get back to the police office, Tsukasa's already there and dressed and just turns with, what kept you? <laughs> like, even when Sakia's at his best, Tsukasa's still two steps ahead. 
And I, I love that flat out she's like, no, we're not just gonna rush in. Like, I, of course we're both injured. We're not gonna rush in. Keitaro's an idiot. And that's why he's dying. Like, we're gonna sit down and come up with a plan. Yeah, because she is an, in all caps, PROFESSIONAL. No fuss, no muss, no charging in half-cocked. Especially since last time they got suckered into charging in somewhere half-cocked uh, into a nasty trap where they, you know, they met DeGranio, at least. That was, that was cool. Man, that was a good moment, though. Yeah, and she doesn't want that to happen again. No, nor should she. Though, I, I rewatched just a part of that episode, and I finally figured out the nature of, of DeGranio's attack. Because... He taps a little razor blade, and then if you watch on the screen, like, there's these little flashes, and it's it's doing the sword thing, where it's like, you know, you cut, like, a dozen times, and no one sees it, and then, like, stuff just, like, slides in half. Oh, yeah. When he taps the razor, the, the saw blade, it just, it flies all over the place faster than you can see, and then everything explodes, because the damage hits you finally. And, uh, DeGranio's amazing. I am so enthused about having him as our as our big villain he is very very good and also i'm apparently i'm still very very weak for a gokaiger style weapon swap because that never stops being cool no no it does not because that was i i lost my sugar on i was i was just jumping up and down in my seat not not literally but it just it got me so pumped and it's nice to see that the cops have the chance to be cool. I hope it's a thing that we lean on more in the future, because honestly, thinking about it, it makes for a really good thematic contrast between this team who swap weapons between them and combine to form their, their super cop who can't be stopped And when they blow up the Monster of the Week, compared to the Lupin Rangers who are at their core, sort of built to be more selfish and, and individualistic in in a way that gives them flexibility that the Pat Rangers don't have, but also that doesn't really lend to certain certain ways of thinking and fighting. Uh, the the Gokaijas were a crew, the Pat Rangers were a unit, rather are a unit, but the Lupins, while partners, are all just kind of freelancers, and that affects things. And it's 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 just a nice little touch. So I kind of lost my mind over the bit where like the nurses are like checking checking Keitro's charts and his IVs and all that, and they're talking about like oh there's there's crime happening, and I hope that you know the other two police officers who are injured and ran off to deal with it anyway. I hope they're gonna be okay, and like it brings Keitro back from the brink of death. Because he can't die when crime needs to be stopped. <laughs> okay, just a quick tangent. It's related, I promise. There was this story going around about a guy who'd been in a vegetative state from when he was 12 to when he was 24. And, like, he learned how to communicate and, like, keep himself sane during that. Like, the communication, like, happened just much, much later. It was a lot of recovery and a lot of neurological stuff that people kind of describe as miraculous. So, But he just, he, he found himself conscious for 10 of those 12 years when he was just kind of locked in his body and unable to speak. 
and he kept himself sane by, among other things, reflecting on how much he just hated Barney the Dinosaur. And I don't know if that's a reference that our younger listeners will recognize, but that's what happened. There was this PBS, just wholesome, sweet, just saccharine dinosaur character guy, and everyone hated him, and this kid hated him so hard he kept himself... He, he hated Barney so hard he woke up out of a vegetative... Well, I mean, he freed himself of the prison of his body. He willed his body back into motion with his hatred for Barney the Dinosaur, which is admittedly kind of a hyperbolic way of putting it. But I'm, I'm going to link an article to the thing in the in the show notes. Um, it's it's actually quite fascinating. Anyway, I just I just imagine that Keitro has a similar thing going on, where it's like instead of a big purple dinosaur on PBS, it's just the concept of crime, and he's just like, nope, nope, <laughs> gonna do some gonna do some miracle magic, push through the pain, cause I hate crime. I gotta go make some justice happen, and at least you know Goody, the best of all boys, is here doing his best to help. Yeah, yeah he is, and like. There's only so much you can do when you're a tiny or extremely giant flying car slash jet slash gun barrows barrel slash torso, but he does all the things he can do, and he does even things that he can't do, because he's that good. Again, it's in his name. And I do really appreciate this use of the combined Pot Ranger form as a sort of symbolism of the team holding each other up and kind of taking on each other's pain in order to protect people. I mean, we've talked a lot, especially last episode, about why these cops work, but man, these cops really work. Really do. Like, again, I've said it before. I was ready to dislike them and to quietly enjoy watching them get punked on every episode because I enjoy a scoundrel being all swagger and gadgets. But look, there there's a painful sincerity to the Pat Rangers that I can't pretend to ignore. They're too good. And it's just, it's that sincerity that's pretty often got me leaning toward their side as opposed to the Lupin Rangers. Like, I love, like, the, the swagger and the criminals with the heart of gold, but... Keitro and Tsukasa, at least, and also, you know, Hilltop and Jim, they just feel so genuine in what they're about. And, okay, I guess Sakuya is also genuine in what he's about, but I hate what he's about. Look, that Sakuya only manages to drag himself down in our esteem, as opposed to the whole team, says a lot about how earnest and charming the other two are. Like, he's fully 20% of the team, including Hilltop and Jim, and fully a third of the in-costume Sentai on, on the Pat Ranger side, yet somehow I still have a deep and abiding fondness for the friggin' cops. Like, they're just that good that even he can't make them suck. And that's that's saying something. Uh, so moving, moving into 16, because uh, I think that's all we've got for 15. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's actually kind of interesting that we sit down and take a look at how the Gangler work from a biological perspective. That's not something Sentai often addresses. Yeah, it's it's not. I think the last one I can think of that did anything even resembling it was maybe Shinkenger. And even then, it was just kind of a hand wave to explain why the monsters went giant. Not even so much of this is how their bodies work. Though, all I can imagine is they're essentially like the gems on Steven Universe. 
and all I want now is to see Degranio do a magical girl transformation into into like do a shapeshift or something, or for Gosh and Destra to be all grumpy at each other and then have to do a fusion dance. Because look, all I want to do is see you turn into a giant woman. A giant woman. Sorry, I like Steven Universe. It's a good show. Also, I mean, I know I know Goanger did a little bit of that. Really. They they explain a couple of things about like what because the the villains in Goanger they show up oh, and they want right, to pollute yeah. the earth and they they kind of explain why but it's it's not a common thing which to really explain you know how anyone is the way they are yeah. I mean I guess like we we never knew why Madako bless her was just some kind of weird space octopus we didn't know that we didn't know why she was able to regenerate. Just, just her superpower. But yeah, I mean, I guess I think the only one where they never really had to was Decker Ranger because everyone was from all over the place. Yeah. Also, it does make me wonder though. This is an interdimensional crime family, right? So that implies that either these are all various alternate reality versions of the same sort of creature. Or these are all different kinds of creatures that were modified to work like this. Because those safes do not look naturally evolved. No, they don't. So I'm just, just imagine, um, like, DeGranio just like, hey, what's up? Like, you want to join the family? You need to be a family of, you need to be of the same blood. Uh, what's that mean? Yeah, I it mean, means we're going like, to install Gauche this Gauche is a doctor. Gauche is a doctor. Is she? Remember? She does oh. all the, the experiments on people. That's, that's not the same thing. That's... I don't know. I'm pretty sure that, like, you want to join the family? Okay, you gotta let this lady install a safe into your body. I'm just, oh, no, that part I have no, like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Like, I don't think she's a doctor. We 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 watched X8, like, there's, being a doctor is more than cutting people up. It is if you're anyone other than Hero, but <laughs> Hero got to be a doctor. High five, that was, that was pretty sick. Alright. But I do I do just like the idea that it's like, oh yeah, well you gotta you wanna join the family, you gotta you gotta be of the family and okay, but how does how does one become of the family? And then just Ghosh walks out with like two with like a chainsaw in one hand and like just she's dragging a whole like bandsaw behind her with the other. Just lay down on my table. I'll get to work. <laughs> Oh, she's so good. Yeah, she is. I, I'm, I miss her. I want more of her just doing stuff like the Jim Carter episode. Still, like, not only is it great that he pretended to be a gangler and tried to beat them with a riddle, but that was also where we found out about Ghosh having having a side project. I love that she has a side project, and it's of course the most horrible one anyone could have. Yeah. Also, okay, getting getting back on track. Um. Shout out to the design department for Manta, because there are, there are bits of his design, like the, the weird no-hands Manta forearm blaster things that I'm I'm not sure about, but the giant Manta mantle, mantle on the with the big old skull on his back that's just kind of biting down on the safe. Like, that was flipping sick, dude. I love that. He is a good designer. I do love that when he switches with Toma and he's in Lupin Blue, he tries to mimic his shape by pulling the cape yeah. out. So good. Okay, so this might not actually be a Bokenger callback, but humor okay. me. 
Uh, Manta swaps Umika with a dove. There's a very iconic Bokenger episode, um, which I guess could be considered Bokenger's body swap episode, where red, yellow, and black get turned into a goldfish, a canary, and a dog, respectively. And they also attempted to- attempted, uh, but it didn't happen, to turn pink into the same kind of white dove. Oh, okay. And yes, I mean, this time it's yellow being put into a dove and not a canary, but she still gets put into the same dove and Natsuki was also turned into a bird. Uh, I'm just putting it out there because I like talking about Lupat's parallels to past Sentai, and also I like talking about Bokendra. I mean, Bokendra is pretty good. And I mean, Arakawa, who wrote this episode, was a prominent writer on Bokendra. He didn't write that particular episode, but he wrote a good handful of Bokendra. Mm. And look, he, he might not have written that one, but dude has things he likes going back to, and dang if he's not good at it. I really... I honestly really hope he becomes a regular fixture on the series. Not that I don't like Kimura's writing, just that I am a big fan of Arakawa. I like seeing him get work, and honestly, we've we've seen enough people go full Kobayashi or close enough to it that it's like, okay, you don't have to do that now. Just take, just calm down, get some rest. Like honestly, though, I just keep hoping that they give Arakawa lead writing credit again sometime soon. He's I realize he's arguably part of, like, an old guard that maybe they're trying to get away from, but also, um, he's very good at his job. I mean, Sentai doesn't seem to mind as much dipping into the the writer pool as much as writers seem to try to get away from it in the past few years. Uh, so, I mean, hopefully they will bring him back around to lead in the near future, because he's arguably one of the best they've got and have managed to hold on to because I don't think they're getting Shoaikawa back. I, sadly, I, I think you are correct there. I mean, uh, he's, he's come back once or twice since Decade. Yeah, but mostly that was, like... He's written a total of three episodes since then. And, and uh, at least one of them was on uh, Kobayashi's show, because him and, and Yasuko Kobayashi seem, like, they seem to like working together. So I yeah. get the imp- I mean, again, she was she was a prominent writer on Bokenger. Yes, she was. That's why I, I sort of feel like they must have liked working together. So she just, like, said, Hey, why don't you come back and do this episode of Tokyo? Oh, wait. Actually, I think all three of the episodes that he's written since then, since Decade, have been on Kobayashi shows, even. Because I think two of... Was Wizard, was Wizard a Kobayashi show? Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't. I'm sorry. I, I thought he did some episodes of O's. I must have got that confused. I don't I don't believe so. He did the last two, like, weird fanficy episodes of Wizard. Yeah, okay, so I'm wrong there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... I don't think he did on... He wrote any on O's, but he might have. I might be incorrect about that. Well, you know, it's, it's not that important. But I know... Like, I, d- I don't think he'll lead a show again after Decade. Well, I mean, they did kind of just say... No, this thing you want to do is not good enough. Like, I don't know what that thing was, but they clearly just were like, okay, we're done with you now. Please stop. But no, I want to, I want to do my Kamen Rider Decade thing. No, you don't get to. It's a shame, because, wow, I, I like his shows. Like, my biggest problem with one of his, his latest shows... Actually, anytime I have a problem with something he does, it's almost always... It gets cut short, and that affects what happens. And how it plays yeah. out. 
which, oh, it's frustrating. <laughs> so, and, you know, that's also not entirely on him, so I can't be mad at him. Which, you know, handy. Yeah. Because it, it must be nice to just be able to say, no, nah, I don't get the criticism because it, that's not fair. I think he, I don't know, I'm just sort of babbling. I just, I really like Shoaikawa. I wish he would come back to Common Rider, but I understand why he won't. But uh, back back to Lupin yes, Ranger. Yes, sorry. Uh, you can you can really tell that this is an Arakawa episode, you know, just like the last time he did one, and that he really does enjoy kind of leaning back more into the classic like early two thousands feel of Sentai and bringing that to to Lupin Ranger versus Pot Ranger, especially since he's handling another classic Sentai trope, this time being the body swap. Classics are classics for a reason. On top of it being a lot of fun to see a body swap plot, it's it's a good way of showing character and background, because for all this wasn't written by the head writer, we also get a really welcome reiteration of the, the kind of half-inverted Three Musketeers logic the Lupin Rangers got going on, because they're, they're not quite all for one, but hot dang if they don't got that one-for-all thing down, because that just... Just Kyrie sitting by the big, just absurd plastic monster, just having to talk about, hey man, if you gotta kill me, kill me. Just make sure that you you reach the finish line that we've all agreed to. Like, wow, that is, that is heavy. That is really heavy for a kid's show. Because he never says, I am willing to die for this, please murder me, you know, your friend. <laughs> that's what, that's what he's saying. Yeah. It's real good. I do love that Toma uses some Bugs Bunny logic to get Manta to switch Umika back out of the dove, though. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really good. And and I have to say, like, I really like the thought of looking at Toma as a kind of deadpan Bugs Bunny. Though, like, you say that, and for some reason my head goes to Daffy Duck, which I realize Bugs and Daffy are kind of like the duo, but I don't know. I mean, Daffy kind of is the deadpan Bugs Bunny. That's well, he's also, but he's also he's, the one who who gets hit more often because. Yeah, he's he's kind of the straight man in the slapstick. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he is. Because Bugs, I don't know. I, I saw this thing talking about uh, Bugs and Daffy, and and how Chuck Jones approached them and just like, oh yeah, what is Daffy's thing? He's a massive egomaniac. That's why he always gets what's coming. I guess Toma isn't really that, but he's... I, I'm okay with him. Either way, I just... I like Toma, and I like thinking of him as a cartoon. I do love Toma a lot. So this is this is kind of what we mentioned before, because um, it's as much as it's a little weird that Manta Toma is running around with these high school girls, I do appreciate that his motivation is generally framed more in the line of these people are showing me positive attention and I've never gotten that and I want more. As opposed to, like, I'm gonna trick these girls into thinking I'm human and exploit them for crimes. Like, he's he buys them things, and he explicitly says that he will buy them things, even though, you know, the money is probably stolen. But, like, he's, he's just having a good time wanting some positive interactions. And, I mean, he does eventually decide to do some crimes with Toma's body. But it seems like that's more something he came up with in the moment to make Kyrie mad. Because it's not until Kyrie confronts him and is like, I'm going to fight you for Toma's body, that he's like, I'm going to do some crimes with bank. this body. I need, I need more money so I can buy things for people. 
Like, it, it seems more like he's like, I just want to make you mad yep. about that. Um, and it's just Toma's actor really seemed to have a lot of fun hamming it up this episode. Which, like, look, for all I've, you know, I was kind of unsure about this bit. I think that's why I can't hate it too much. Because, yeah, Toma's actor been kind of, kind of just deadpan this whole time with, like, the just the little smirks and whatnot. So it's, it's nice to see him get to show that he can be a really fun guy. Because, yeah, it was, it was fun to see. And also, on, on like a plot-related note, it was also see, fun to see that, for all I was kind of skeeved out by the choice of targets and, and some of the, the ways some of it could be taken, it was nice to see that not all these gangler are like world-shattering mass-murdering sorts. Some of them just go out and mess with people, because they're lonely monsters with awesome designs who just need to readjust their priorities a little, but also you probably don't have much choice, because after, after Ghosh puts you under the knife, I, I imagine you're a gangler, a gangler for life. I don't know, I just need to write a little song there. Also, like, I know you mentioned it earlier, but I do want to throw in that bit where, like, just highlight the bit where Kyrie gives himself some friggin' stigmata to save his friend. That is, that is hardcore. Just, but yeah, I put my hand in front of the gun so you wouldn't die. Also, it's implied that the shot went through my hand and into you because you are injured, but nowhere near as much as it would have if I would have just shot you with this gun in the chest. Yeah, and and he does it after getting a poison spine through his hand in the previous episode? He's a tough kid for all that I still think he's kind of narratively weak. Yeah. Also, I need I do need to go back and see if it was the same hand or if, if dude's like a couple very specific wounds away from moving out of just normal criminal and into full-on blasphemer. Because, wow. I did check the episodes and I believe it's the same hand. Oh. Well, that's, that's probably for the best, because, I mean, I, I don't think he needs to be a blasphemer on top of a thief. It, it does seem a bit much. I'm not even religious, I just, you know, it just it, it would seem a bit weird. I just do hope, though, that with a poison spine through his hand, and then a laser bullet, whatever they use for ammunition, through his hand, I hope dude is retired from basketball, because <laughs> if that is his shooting hand, he is in trouble. I'm sure it all heals up very good and, and magic, sentai, whatever, but that is that is not small objects going through flesh and bone and muscle. That's not fun. Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of bones in your hand. Yeah, it is most... Like, there's a lot of bones exactly where that bullet yeah, went. Yeah, and those are, like, hey, you know those bones that heal back together real easy and good? Yeah, that's not, that's none of the, none of those bones are that bone. But it just, on top of everything else, though, it does highlight so many of the good, like, rogue, D&D roguey sort of things the team does, and kind of what they have to be to be both a Sentai made up of, of putative hardcore criminals, and, you know, still be a Super Sentai who are the heroes of a children's adventure series. Like, now I say that, like, I wonder what would happen if they ever took the idea of a villain Sentai further than the the kind of half-joke, half, 
like reference thing they seem to be going for with the Q Ranger versus Space Squad movie. Do Lupot, you know, another Sentai versus Sentai series, and just have one of them be full on an evil Sentai. Though, I guess that could also be a real bummer because it, it might do the thing American Cave Comics do, where for decades at a time it just turns into Sentai versus Sentai because they realize all you really need is more superheroes and actual like villains to fight are actually kind of extraneous and everything starts getting really insular and boring and wow i wish american cave comics were better is what i'm saying also uh just sort of spin out from that and get out away from that particular tangent which i could go on forever um it was a nice reversal on the end fight just compared to episode 15 where that one ended with the team physically joining together uh, Kyrie instead, you know, he uses his ultimate attack and shows up so that there are three of him with his two friends so he could throw down three times as hard on this guy, hurt his friend. Like, I, I just kind of like the idea of, oh no, I really hate this dude. I am going to, all three of me are going to curb stomp him. Because, yeah, he touched, he, he hurt my friend, man, that's not cool. And just... It still highlights their their differences while not even ever having to say it because again I'd not really thought about the, the connection between the two episodes but now you bring it up it's it's all I can think about because this is how he would try to try to sort of emulate how much of a unit the 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 global police people are. So there's there's the bit where Sukasa goes after the mosquito <laughs> and it's hilarious and it's also very much like again you can tell arakawa wrote this because that's some early 2000s arakawa humor. yeah that's some that's some like maji ranger level humor right there and it's it's good to see a gag be able to set up that kind of tension and pay it off with something incredibly silly and have it really work and not need to be exaggerated with post-production effects or, like, wacky sounds. I'm so happy that they seem to have backed off on that. That was that was a dire few years of Sentai. Not Sentai, uh, Rider. Wow. I mean, Sentai, Sentai kind of shared the problem a little, but, no, man, years. Drive. Yeah. Drive was kind of where it was at its worst. Yeah, but anyway, uh, just... Uh, to relate back to what you were saying, like it did kind of weird me out for a second because I wasn't sure where they were going with it because I I kept expecting it to be her thinking there was a, a special or limited edition because giant stuffed animal under that tarp or something like she because her and Umika are friends they share this interest so maybe that's what she thought it was and it's like well why don't you want to tell me. I don't know, just the thought of her suspecting it's a giant Snorlax or Tortoro that, you you know, those ones you can use as a bed that I occasionally see on the internet and I'm so mad at because I can't, there's nowhere for me to put it. But come on, who wouldn't want a giant Tortoro bed? I want the Snorlax. Yeah, I mean, that just sounds, that sounds comfy and haha and fun and, and weirdly safe. Like, you wouldn't think your bed having a face would be helpful. Like, it should go really can't sleep clowns will eat me real quick. But come on, it's Snorlax, man. Who could be afraid of Snorlax? Except another Pokemon. All other Pokemon should fear Snorlax. Uh, it was also nice to see Toma and Umika get to use the upgrade vehicles. 
like it even not even in the robot but like toma gets to use the the boomerang shield and umika gets to use the helicopter like it was it was nice that they got to do that for once yeah it really was like everyone everyone got an upgrade in that fight yeah that's a that's a good call i kind of spaced on that i five and and i also like that on top of that they they brought that into the giant robot fight and we got to see Loop and Kaiser get a new name, kind of, for, you know, a, an added name, I guess. Because, look, for all I think, Cyclone is a subpar limb, as far as looks go, because, look, I can't, I'm a, I'm a Transformers nerd. I'm very much like, no, you can make anything look like an arm if you need to. You just weren't trying. But Loop and Kaiser, Cyclone Knight, and that's, that's a pretty cool name. It's not a bad look. I, I hope we see more of that, and also more of everyone gets to use the upgrades, because, I mean, I might not love them, but at least it's an upgrade, and I love the the shield and scissors, or whatever whatever it's called. It's so good. It is, it is pretty the cool. Giant, like, the boomerang shouldn't work, but there it is. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of it for our, our high points, unless you have any... Yeah, that's... No, that's pretty much right. it. Uh, then, Soto, why don't you... Let us know what's up with the Lupin collection this week, because, whew, I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure what was going on there. Okay, uh, in 15, uh, Togeno gets another piece of the Lupin collection from Grenade Boy. Name uh, I don't Destra. remember. Destra. And that is Mega Yellow's Mega Sling from Mega Ranger. Okay. As I say, how many times can I fit the word Mega in a sentence? Um, it's just given a nice green coat of paint and made to look a little more like a bird than I think it does in Mega Ranger. Yeah, I, I definitely did not. I was wondering what bird Sentai there was, and I was... My gut instinct was to check Jetman. I'm not gonna lie. No, yeah, like, same, but if it was shit from Jetman, I would have recognized it. Unless... I'm like, that that was the first thing I could think of where I'm like, they're all birds. Um, but apparently it is from Mega Ranger. Nice. It is, uh, Mega Yellow's weapon. Just given a nice green coat of paint, which is fitting since it's still being used as something of a slingshot to help Togeno shoot his projectiles further yeah. and faster. Um, the ball in 16 might be the Vulcan ball from Sun Vulcan. Yeah. Was... Um, early Sentai has a number of like ball pass attack weapons, such as, you know, Go Ranger and Kaku Ranger, but those are more football shaped where the Vulcan ball is round and has it's it's markings are kind of like a basketball and that's a little what this was like so I mean like Hurricane also has a ball weapon but that's an entirely separate piece of the Lupin collection that is something else uh so it's definitely not that uh so you know if I had to make a call looking around at you know what there is I'd probably go with this being the Vulcan ball I think that sounds like a defensible position. Uh, so that taken care of, uh, what what sort of things do we see happening for this show in the future? Any predictions? This is more of a, a question than a prediction, but when Goody sees the drill crane vehicle combo being used on Pot Kaiser Strong, he comments like, oh, since when did they have a trigger? Mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm very curious as to what that means, 
he does seem to treat the other collection pieces as if they have some degree of sentience, especially the other vehicles. So I'm curious if they're somehow choosing what side they want to be on and kind of adapting themselves to that. That would make sense. And it is kind of a curious thing. I, I do sort of wonder if it's not part of why we frame everything with that kid who was kind of a jerk, but who will also be kind of a... a just a fantabulous cosplayer once he gets access to some good supplies. I mean, look what he does with construction paper and tape, right? Yeah. But, you know, you pick a side and that determines what you've got going. And I think that'd be actually kind of fun thing to see, especially if it turns out later that some of them switch. Which, I mean, again, yeah. I keep thinking that's going to be what happens with uh, whoever the, the extra hero is, if we have one. Which, again, we don't. I hate to keep so going just, back. I'm, to that, I'm very but... curious about that. Yeah, I mean, it it it'd be a great way to lead in. Which, I mean, on a on like a structural level, this show is pretty tight. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were thinking about how to lead into that. I don't know. I'm I'm very I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, so then, do we have any other final thoughts, closing ideas? Um, no. I'm just curious as to see where this is going Same. we do next week is our 200th episode of rx yeah we would love to kind of do we're we're willing to run a little long and do kind of a big feedback section if you guys have anything oh yes please you want to send yes, to us please. uh just you know i don't just whatever whatever you guys want to talk about even if it's not build related if you want to ask us our takes on other shows, why we're so adamant against Drive and Gaim. Yo, we won't make how you, we feel about. We won't make you listen to things. all of our coverage of those shows. I will give you the short form if you need it. Yeah, we we will sum it up, but you can ask us how we feel about you know pre uncommon cast writer shows. I don't know, just it's our two hundredth episode, and we want to do something, yeah. but we still need to cover build. So yeah, which. It, it, from from the episode of that that is out at the time of this recording, I imagine will be a lot of like, oh no, so that's gonna be fun again. Yeah, so I mean, send. I'll I'll also be you know putting the call out on Twitter, but you know you can email us at uh, uncommoncastrx at gmail dot com. You can add us or DM us at uncommonrx on Twitter. You can hit either of us up individually on Twitter. We'll make it work somehow. Yeah. Send it send it wherever is easiest for you. Um, but we we would love to do a little something. We would. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, so then, uh, unless we have any other last minute thoughts, feelings, concerns? No, not really. Alright then, I'll uh, close this out. <laughs> so then, for the TOLD 